with the likes of Apple coming out with the Vision Pro and also, of course, Meta had the Quest 3 and HTC, the Vive Elite XR. Those headsets are bringing us into the mixed reality realm. I think that's actually where we're going to see a big push and into where the industry will go towards. I think the mixed reality, there's a lot of benefits and a lot of pluses for it. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Hey folks, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain. Great to be back again. This week, we have Lance Baufind joining us uh, for the first time on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. So uh, welcome along, Lance. Great to have you, uh, great to have you joining us uh, on the New Zealand Tech Podcast today. You're the head of training and simulations at uh, at Company X. Tell us what's that, what that's all about, and uh, and what Company X does. Yeah, certainly. So Company X is a software development company, and primarily. And a number of years ago, joined up with Company X and working in the VR, AR, spatial computing uh, area. So since then, we've been working with a number of different organisations, but also now working uh, with Defence and like I say, a number of other companies as well. Yeah, great. Well, um, yeah, pleasure to have you on the show. A uh, mm. lot we want to delve into today. We will talk about the the role of AI facial recognition, uh, which is is uh, starting to, and, and I think we probably first talked about this maybe a couple of years ago, facial recognition sort of, you know, coming into play within <laughs> our within our supermarkets. Uh, it's been getting attention again. New Rocket Lab launch that's, that's just taken place. With a, with a focus on uh, helping to to address issues with uh, with space junk, our phone bans are, uh, are coming into play in schools very soon. In fact, some have, have already started. Infotech.co.nz is dead. I've put that in the the agenda as it was something that uh, that I found uh, a little bit disappointing in the in the local tech news world. And and then there's a bunch of you know some interesting global aspects. And uh, probably the real reason that uh, I was really keen to uh, to chat to you today, Lance, is really delving into you know what's happening in the in the world of virtual reality, augmented reality, and and this new thing of of spatial computing, um, particularly with the Apple Vision Pro, and uh, your your uh, you know thoughts on uh, on the Apple Vision Pro and whether whether that is I guess a a win or a, or a fail for Apple. So we'll come back to that one. Uh, but first up, big thank you to our show partners, to 1NZ, 2 Degrees, Spark, HP, and Gorilla Technology. And yeah, let's let's jump in on this this facial recognition uh, situation. We've been you know we've been seeing really o- ongoing attention you know across the the big media uh, to the supermarkets uh, looking or moving moving forward on on facial recognition uh, technology so yeah food, foodstuffs have have this trial uh, running in a number of stores and you could call it a trial but you know uh, realistically they've 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 gone live with this technology you know in a num- number of number of supermarkets and you know what we have seen in in New Zealand is is really ongoing issues at a retail level when it comes to crime it has really, you know, seems to have dramatically increased over over recent years, and you know, of course, we see some very, you know, ex- extreme, you know, scenarios there with uh, the likes of jewelers and so on getting uh, 
getting attacked, but uh, mostly sort of smash and grab type things. But in, in my neighbourhood, we, we saw one of these dairy attacks where, um, you know, sadly the the worker at the at the dairy was was killed. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of you know curious your you know your thoughts on on this type of technology, which has that has that potential to you know maybe reduce the impact of of crime and you know all of us are, are impacted in one way or another uh, when when crime increases um, but we've also probably you know all, all seen over the years sort of Hollywood you know productions where uh, uh, there's a level of, of technology and artificial intelligence that kind of mm. you know comes in to to help uh, minimize crime and uh, uh, there's there's all sorts of uh, you know things things that end up uh, taking places and and bad uses mm. of the technology and and look I was quite pleased to see uh, that food stuffs at, you know at this point are, uh, are sort of you know ring fencing you know what they capture in terms of the facial recognition data so if they've got you know, maybe somebody that that offends at a particular supermarket they're not spreading that out across their entire network. Although it could be argued that actually that would have a that would have a bigger impact, um, mm. you know. But at this time they're uh, yeah they're keeping <coughs> keeping that that uh, information to a specific store. Uh, mm. They they do seem to be you know quite committed that they're not keeping data. So if you walk into a into a supermarket and you pay for your goods and you walk out again, that the your image isn't going to be sit, sitting around on their systems for uh, you know I think it might be might be a number of you know. A, a, Single digit days, maybe two or two or three days, so that that data doesn't uh, doesn't last doesn't last very long. So I think there's you know there's some good thinking that's that's gone in here. Are you do you feel comfortable about this technology in the in the in the supermarkets, Lance? Yeah, I I, I, I mean it's a, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? That a lot of the technology like this comes in for very good reasons, you know, and in this case, I think, yeah, it's good reasons. I think you just have to have the protections around there and quite how you do that. I mean, like you're saying, if they're only keeping images for uh, so long, then great. Probably, I would think if they were holding on to my images, you know, maybe it's not even their intention, but do they get hacked? And then does a whole bunch of other stuff emanate out of that? I, I know... First reading this headline, I was uh, reminded of a number of years ago seeing uh, a television article actually about a, um, a restaurant chain in the US that as you walked into the door, that they used facial recognition, looked you up on Facebook, and then sent you deals based on like it might be for you know half price Coke with your with your uh, family meal or whatever that might be, and I thought oh, yeah yeah I I could see. Yeah, you know, I mean, could it go that way with this this sort of thing as well? Perhaps, but uh, to to me, it sounds like that they are cognizant of of privacy and security. So, yeah, yeah, I think these it's important to be having the discussions. You know, we we can get pushed into doing things because of. You know, other societal sort of challenges push us to do mm. things that otherwise we might not be so happy to do. And yeah. I was looking at the stats that uh, foodstuffs were sharing and saying that this trial follows uh, 4,719 incidents of retail crime you know, across the, the foodstuffs North Island stores in the, uh, the, the last quarter of 2023, including 513 breaches of trespass. So that would be an exact situation this technology could assist with. 
uh, and that it was up 52% on the previous quarter. So when things go wrong, you know, we will often, you know, try and apply new things to solve those issues. Mm. Sometimes that can, you know, that can be a a knee jerk. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, there's a whole lot of scenarios we can look at sort of looking, looking around the world where, you know, things have been, things have been put in place because of certain scenarios, whether it's, you know, wars or whether it's, Mm. uh, you know, pandemics and so on, those things, you know, trigger laws that we might not be otherwise comfortable with or trigger the use of technologies that we might, you know, not be, you know, so keen on. On the flip side, there's a lot of good, you know, uses of of, of technology uh, during the, these times as well. And I guess it's it's that challenge again, getting, getting yeah. it right. So, look, I think it's going to be interesting to, uh, you know, follow how this progresses you know, I think my experiences with uh, Foodstuffs North Island, we've had Chris Quinn on the on the show who, who, who heads up, you know, the company. You know, they're pretty forward-looking from a, a technology and, and innovation perspective, and I think they'll be thinking about the same sort of things we are, but there might well be some disagreement on whether whether they're getting this one uh, yeah. uh, right or not. So it might be it might be time for another chat with with Chris to get his mm. uh, his viewpoint on this one. Mm. Um, or, yeah, did you have anything else on that one? I was just I was just going to add add there as well is that uh, with te- with implementing any sorts of technologies, you never really know all the consequences and uh, ramifications of what you do so it is a learning thing right so like you're saying that maybe with the best intentions that you are implementing this technology but you don't fully know how that will end out so yeah yeah it's something you have to be tread carefully i think yeah yep Mm. Uh, that's that's great point uh now talking about uh rocket lab look it's encouraging to uh you know to, to see them Continuing to to launch, they had a bit of a break there, you know, after they they, they had you know a, a failed uh, situation, you know, last year. I, f- I forget what the the term is, but a uh, an explosion in the air that was 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 unplanned. But you know, they're they're certainly back into it, and and this current launch they've done is focused was focused on a, a Japanese satellite that its its purpose is to be collecting data on on space junk. And specifically to, um, you know, in terms of looking at this, this orbital debris, they're specifically looking at one of the, uh, one of the, the Japanese rockets. It's a H2A uh, upper stage that was left in low Earth orbit after the, the launch of an observation satellite back in, in 2009. So this uh, satellite that's gone up, Adris J uh, will fly around it and inspect it with you know, various cameras and 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 sensors, and it, it's going to take something like three to, to six months apparently to uh, to complete this mission. And this is interesting because we, we keep hearing more about uh, space debris and and really the the major risks associated with it. And if we get big items that uh, that were to uh, to break up. Uh, in space, we could get ourselves into a into a pretty difficult uh, sit- situation where yeah, it becomes very very hard to, uh, to to navigate space and to put things up if there's too much small debris that's that's uh, you know floating around the place. And uh, you know, we we look at the International Space Station, the ISS. You know, they at times have had to you know maneuver it to avoid it to avoid it being hit. And these bits of space debris <laughs> go around. Very, very, you know, extreme speeds that uh, mm. could could 
you know, be quite uh, quite catastrophic. So, um, yeah, good good to see more work going on in this front, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think also um, another another sp- I was going to another space, but in defence, you know, space is becoming another frontier, and a lot of countries now also looking at a space force as well. So it'd be interesting that it will only get busier up there, I think. So having a having a good mechanism or good controls on uh, how that area is managed, then I, I think it's just a necessity. Yeah, look, and you know the recognition of of how things are moving in that area that we we now have a you know a space minister uh, mm. in, in the honourable Judith Judith Collins, and so yeah, these these things are obviously coming more and more onto uh, you know onto the radar for 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 government and for and for business. Now we're not far off from this uh, phone ban coming into place in in schools. Uh, some schools have already got have already got these these things in, in place, and that's certainly something that that you know, parents have already got used to. My son, he's allowed to take his phone to school, uh, but basically he can use it before or after school. So if he's uh, chasing up and wondering whether he's getting picked up after school, things like that, he can mm-hmm. use it, but not not during the uh, the school day. And we see the Ministry of Education have you know put out a, a bunch of information. Around that, basically, schools have to get their rules uh, in place uh, no later than um, I think the beginning of of uh, term two, and so uh, really they they are uh, in many cases getting started now. If they didn't already have a policy, I was pleased to see that that there are there is some you know flexibility around this policy. So if a phone is is really needed for um, you know specific health reasons like monitoring insulin levels and you know, then then that's okay. If a phone is needed for a, a student, um, you know, to help them from a, a disability or or you know, learning perspective, then uh, that that gets the tick. Um, and even students can require students to to use their phones for a, you know a specific, you know, say, a class assignment or, or some other some other task. And and the principal also has you know an ability to uh, you know override the rules for. Um, uh, special circumstances, so it, it's not a completely, you know, a, a complete ban, um, but it's mm. not, it's not far off it. Mm. I, I guess one of the one of the things that stands out for me is as we've had a lot of issues with with social media platforms, uh, you know, youngsters sort of getting bullied through through you know some some of these applications and even even just sort of text messages and things floating around the school. And and those things will will continue to be an issue because they can happen, you know, obviously outside of outside of you know school hours and so on. I do think there's a lot more awareness of it uh, now, but maybe it turns the dial down a little bit on some of those issues. You know, the the fact that uh, the the use of of these devices is uh, is blocked in schools. How how do you hmm. feel about it, Lance? Well, uh, I'm. Thankfully, I think I'm a little bit older. All my kids are growing up. So, uh, but uh, I must say that our children still went to school, and we did what we had. What actually was a family phone, mobile phone. So that necessarily went to the eldest, so that if they did need to contact us or anything like that, like normally reminding us to get picked up was a was a a classic because there was the odd time when they were forgotten. So probably a testament to 
to our parenting abilities. But yeah, I'd, I I think they're good. They're good for a purpose. They're like anything, you know, they can be abused. It's like a knife. You could butter bread or you can cut your finger or, you know, whatever. So I, I think having having a device is a good thing. It's just about managing that right, you know, and like you're saying for the cyberbullying, that, that type of thing, of course, that's... Uh, that needs to be stopped, full stop. You know? mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and it's pretty hard to manage. I think there's a fair level of you know responsibility on the social media platforms than, mm. them, themselves, and you know there there has certainly been a targeting of of younger people by you know by some of these platforms and and often content that's delivered to them through the algorithms. That's uh, that's not. Not healthy, shall we say? So you know mm. that's something that really moves into the parenting realm of, of how do you manage yeah. and deal with these things. And and yeah. look, not not everyone is going to know how to do that. So mm. the the reality that the social media platforms, you know, to to a reasonably large degree, I would say, mm. uh, don't care. It's something that we we need to yeah. we need to be aware of and and to think about it. But uh, being mm. able to you know manage manage those things. As parents, isn't isn't necessarily the easiest uh, thing to attend to. No, that's right. And uh, and I think Paul, sorry, just uh, quickly, I was just um, uh, a couple of years ago, I was at the phys- uh, at the chiropractor actually, and they were checking me over and checked my neck, and they were saying, "Oh, your neck is nice and straight," you know. I go, "No, isn't everybody's?" And, and uh, in fact, what they're saying now is that more and more now. It's kind of like the younger kids and younger generation that are on their phones all the time are getting a curvature in the neck from looking down at their devices. So maybe being able to uh, cull that is a good thing in itself, anyway. Yeah. Oh, that's I hadn't. Um, yeah, I hadn't heard. Yeah. Um, hadn't heard that. So yeah, that's no. it's probably a, a a tip that parents will find useful. Uh, when negotiating with youngsters is another reason yeah. why they should put phones down. Um, and for those of us that maybe sometimes are uh, are a bit older and are using our phones too often yeah. too. So, yeah. yeah. Now, infotech.co.nz, this is a URL I've, I've typed into my browser many times uh, over, I don't know, multiple decades. This went to what I guess sort of started out as, a, I think it was a, a weekly news from... What it what is now uh, stuff was Fairfax back in the day. It was an insert into some you know newspapers, but it was the the tech section you know in recent years for stuff.co.nz, and I've typed it in recently and found it just went to stuff.co.nz homepage, and mm. I was uh, a little bit mortified. So uh, yep, there's goes the end of another uh, tech publication. Uh, even just a view on on tech from stuff is gone. And and that's because they no longer have a tech page and they're not really covering tech anymore. I guess you could go into all sorts of discussion of well, tech's and everything, so maybe you don't need to break it out and and so on. But uh, yeah, I think it's it's uh, it's a little bit of a loss, but yeah, probably a reflection that that they really weren't doing much on that front in in recent years. But I would you know I'd still go to uh, to that old favourite uh, URL and 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 you know, find some interesting stories from time to time. So, yeah, there's probably quite a list if we look back over the years of the, the tech media that has, has disappeared in New Zealand from the likes of Bits and Bytes and, you know, Computer World. And, uh, yeah, this is, is I guess, just a, a final nail uh, in, the, in the coffin for that Infotech-type uh, coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, from, from stuff into sort of some of the global global topics... <laughs> 
Air Canada got themselves into uh, into a spot of bother recently. So what they had done was decided, hey, we can uh, we can outsource uh, a bit more of our customer service by using an AI a chatbot, and they put this up on their website. And in in this particular case, that's uh, that that's gone through the courts. The the chatbot is drawing on some of their information, but uh, presumably a bit of uh, hallucination indicated to a customer who had gone to their website, you know what what uh, what their options were in terms of a bereavement situation and uh, and Air Canada's travel policy. The chatbot got it wrong, and so this person sort of went ahead thinking that they could they could buy travel and, and get a refund or a you know, partial refund uh, later. However, the advice from the chatbot was actually, um, I guess, rubbish. <laughs> so there's, a, there's a, I guess, a bit of a warning here, isn't there, in terms of, you know, how organizations leverage you know technology and and look often there is a benefit from you know jumping in and trying things out and seeing how they how they work but you also need to balance that up with with the risks and uh, mm. and wrap the appropriate sort of you know guidance around its use and, and it looks like Air Canada you know jumped in here you know too, maybe too quick without figuring it out mm. without doing appropriate testing in-house and, and I think they've actually you know, disabled their chatbot at at this time. Um, mm. They've taken a bit of bad press, and um, I mean, it hasn't cost them a, a large amount of money in the scheme of it. But uh, you know, it doesn't doesn't look good when you you can't uh, trust a, a communication with with your airline. Yeah, well, when I heard that story, I immediately came to mind. You know, there's, there's a difference between being cutting edge and the bleeding edge. Yes, and uh, I think Air Canada jumped straight to bleeding edge, and uh, you know, you, you don't. And in my view, you don't need to necessarily you should look at technology in a way to augment human performance. Mm. You know, it doesn't need to replace. And I think as as we see here that uh, if you jump in too fast too early, it can have painful results. Yes, certainly uh, certainly that was the case this time around. Um, now we, we're going to delve shortly into sort of VR and AR and Apple Vision Pro spatial uh, computing. But uh, one of the things I, I came across a couple of weeks ago was some some coverage around w- what was referred to as only fake and a site basically where where you know, AI neural networks is able to churn out fake IDs and so th- this is sort of a I guess a, a little bit of an insight into the the darker use of AI, right? So there's lots of you know great good positive uses of AI. Then there's mm. the kind of in between ones, like what we've just heard, where you know the the um, the chatbot was you know, probably helpful to a whole bunch of customers, but when it when it gets it wrong, that's uh, that's it's not 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 helpful to anyone. And then you get these these other uses where uh, you know people are using AI for you know criminal uh, intent. And so, yeah, being able to go to a, uh, a website where it will just generate you a um, an ID, a, you know, a passport, driver's license type uh, type ID that you can then use to uh, to go online and and support doing, um, you know, maybe illicit uh, transactions or you know maybe you're trying to uh, be anonymous where where the law would say that uh, that you can't be is is an interesting use case, and I think we're going to see a lot more of these. These situations, uh, you know, one thing we probably haven't seen a lot of yet, but it 
it, it, it seemed really obvious as the uh, sort of phishing emails and and spear phishing type emails where you know AI gets used on mass to uh, to send you know fake emails that actually draw on a whole lot of data that's around the the internet or, or in some some data source and uh, you know makes an, an email from a an, an automated source appear uh, appear very real. Mm. Is, it, is this something uh, that that worries you about AI, Lance? Yeah, I, th- I think. Um... Right, I'd say uh, most people, I hope, you know, I've been fished and uh, people trying to grab my ID and, and so on and so forth. And it, you're really, that, the only thing around AI or any technology that gets misused, I kind of think the common denominator is unfortunately the human. And I, I can only see solutions coming through how we manage the human aspect of it all. Because I think that right with AI, the technology is out there and available, and there's so many different options and opportunities for for people, you know, good or bad, that I don't have an answer fully. But yeah. I think I think it is to do around people rather than necessarily trying to tame the technology. In this case, I could be wrong. Yeah, look, it's it's you know I think we're going to have a a few years ahead of of interesting challenges in terms of mm. how we work through these things where where legislation helps and you know often it can hinder as well and and yeah how you how you give responsibility but because we we, we see a bunch of the AI technology is available in an open source manner mm. uh, it means you know you you can't necessarily control mm. what happens you know to it like. You know, for instance, with my social media platforms, you know, you know where they're headquartered, and and you know that there's some jurisdictions that uh, you know that they sit in, and and some you know regulation uh, around things. But um, that's going to be very hard when the technology is is available in an open source uh, manner, and that you know really allows uh, you know people to do with the technology uh, what they like. Now, as we sort of start move into sort of talking a little bit about the AR and VR, but, but before we do that, uh, there's there's been a bit of coverage around Brilliant Labs and and their their frame glasses that is is quite interesting. You know, if you if you look at the um, the the coverage online, they seem to have some you know some quite nice looking uh, what they're calling AI glasses uh, frame. And what they seem to have, they're referring to it as integrated multimodal AI assistant. And there's a, if you read some of the some of the stuff that's been published online, I was reading what VentureBeat released, and it uh, it looked like a a whole lot of spin to 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 be fair. And you know they were sort of you know talking up how stylish they looked, and you know name dropping you know all all sorts of you know, folks from from Steve Jobs to to Gandhi because of the sort of roundness of the, the glasses and 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 varying other sort of aspects in terms of the technologies they they they're using. But it, the, I guess the concept is is maybe quite relevant today. This idea that you could wear some glasses that are using the likes of ChatGPT on an ongoing basis uh, mm. to maybe answer you know questions. To look at, you know, say you're looking at a sign and you're in you're in a country where the signs are in a language that you don't understand, where it can translate those those signs. And I've certainly been in that position uh, myself mm. in, in parts of the world. 
um, because it's got a little camera mounted, you know, right in the in the centre of the the glasses. But from most regards, it does, you know, they they just look like a, a reasonably normal set of glasses. And you know, I guess there'd be a few questions I I would have around, you know, when and how the 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 functionality turn, turns on and off mm. uh, and yeah. how it gets out of the way when, when you don't need it, which, you know, I would argue you, you probably don't want uh, this technology, you know, listening and, and looking all the, all the time. Is mm. this is something that's, that's caught your attention? Yeah, I think like over the years, it's, we've, we've done a lot of work and with AR, you know, and AR glasses and, I follow a uh, an optical engineer who talks far above my head about technically how difficult AR actually is, especially when you're wanting to project an image that's you know millimeters away from your from your pupil. Yes. But actually, you're trying to give it a sense of depth. So, for example, if you were in a workshop and you wanted information to appear linked to uh, an object that might be five meters away or something like that you know how do you make that uh, have that sense of depth and project that depth of that information to that particular item in, yes. in the workshop it's incredibly difficult and that's why i think we see you know with apple and for example with meta that this idea of these fully 3d augmented ar headsets or glasses some some way off with the technology because they keep pushing back their their delivery dates, right? I think. Yeah. So you kind of have uh, that option for a vendor to to launch something that 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 doesn't do everything, but is maybe sort of yeah. similar to the Google Glass and and so yes. on of old tethers through yeah. your phone, and that's where it can yeah. do things like you know interact with with some sort of an AI system, or you mm. get something that's quite you know big. And and you know that there's there's a lot of years of iteration ahead before it, it maybe gets mainstream. That's right. And you've got to yeah. start somewhere, right? So yeah. the idea, and that's essentially, say, with Google Glasses, it was video and text, and it might be the weather or an email notification or so on, mm. you know, just because that's all doable, you know. Uh, it, it's more of a simple problem to solve. But, yeah, so I think with, with these particular glasses, I think you're right. I think they... It didn't look to me like there was too much more than what's already been around and has, has been around for some years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, mm. I mean, I've certainly seen them at, at the lights of, you know, CES with, you know, Consumer Electronics Show in, in Vegas mm. over the years mm. with, with varying people, Sony and others, sort of bringing out different classes that, that, that mm. do different things. But, it, it, you know, it really tended to be a very small number of vendors mm. uh, who, whose product has sort of, you know, caught caught the attention, you know, of most most media and they have the potential to gain traction. And I guess this is what, you know, that brings us to the Apple Vision Pro now where right. we're, you know, a few weeks in uh, since the Apple Vision, you know, Pro, Pro, you know, the first kind of early, you know, reviews and and, uh, and commentary online and then, you know, um, yeah, pretty pretty close to three weeks uh, since people have been able to get their hands on them, we started seeing the the you know folks posting on uh, online that they're returning their Apple Vision uh, Pro uh, on on one side, you know, but other people who who are uh, you know they're really pleased to have have the technology. 
I'm yeah, I'm I'm really kind of curious what um you know what what's your what's your take on this because mm. you know Apple are are a company that seem to be able to you know always attract a massive amount of attention for their technology. However, there hasn't you know there hasn't been a, a massive amount of of coverage of the Apple Vision Pro in you know traditional media. Sure, it's it's been there. Um, but maybe not the the sort of you know attention that we would be used to for you know something that is as completely you know fresh or new from uh, from from Apple, and yeah, we seem to have quite a range of viewpoints of you know of people you know across the particularly the the US because it's uh, it's it's not yeah. you know not broadly available anywhere else unless you jump through you know a lot of hoops or you're willing to uh, you know bring something back from the US. So yeah, and and yeah, of course it's it's um, it's consumers that Apple you know are the strongest at reaching, but of course the the technology is at a price point where you know it, it maybe isn't so much a, a consumer player at, at this point mm. in time. Mm. Yeah, I think a small disclaimer here: Company X doesn't have one just yet, but we are uh, lining ourselves up to get one. But yeah, having, like you, watched a, a number of different reviews and, you know, just keeping abreast of things and also uh, been fortunate enough to know a developer that was on the beta uh, testing team. So talking to uh, my developer friend, he thinks they're pretty awesome. You know? And when you look at it, I, I think from our, from our perspective, we look at it from a commercial industrial type of use case mm. rather than a consumer-based one. So our view on it would be different to to a lot of the reviews or the consumer-focused reviews because for us, uh, I, I mean, a lot of the, uh, say, the consumer-focused reviews that I've seen, they, they would talk about things like, you know, avatars or that this isn't quite, you know, this isn't quite good or I don't like the way this looks or my eyes that are projected into the headset are lower than they really should be and things like that but but for us you know for a consumer that's important for for us it's not because if you if you think about it uh, a company that would uh, use this type of technology in a way the employees kind of not necessarily forced but you know there is a they kind of have to use it for their for their work so you have kind of like a, a focused or committed audience or committed user base because it would bring about it would bring about you know efficiencies for the company and cost savings and and so on and so forth. So so for us for the for the Apple Vision Pro we think the technology is looking really good. The things that interested interested me most was the display quality from what I read, and that's really important. But for example, uh, if you're creating a VR because it's VR and mixed reality, of course, having a good quality or the ability to be able to see in the distance with accuracy, you know, is is really dependent upon the quality of your of your display. So from what we've read is that the, the quality is excellent. So for us, that's a big plus. And so we can use that for for our clients who who require that kind of like that that degree of uh, resolution, if you like. Yeah, that certainly seems to be you know one one of the standout areas. I I don't know if you saw the um, the video which um, Mark Zuckerberg uh, shared mm. online talking about he had tried the the Apple Vision Pro and 
you know, basically uh, saying that the uh, that their meta, you know, MetaQuest is is a better product, um, you know, on on uh, on on all or almost metrics. I think was yeah. uh, uh, you know biased. his his comments look, looking looking at the Quest Three. Yeah. Uh, would you know? I thought was was very interesting um, mm. that that he would. You know, he would, I guess, you know, put him out himself out there and 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 try and differentiate between what are two sort of very different, you know, products mm. in terms of uh, certainly the the price points and and sort of some of the quality and so on that Apple bring to the table. But you know, mm. from some perspectives, you know, actually it, it it's it's important to have that have that distinction at this point in time because. Uh, they're, they're, in many regards, they're drawing on access to the same sorts of uh, technologies that are that are available, and you know how things play out d- depends on um, you know how different companies like Meta and and Apple uh, invest and, and leverage the varying technologies that are that are available today. And and uh, you know, I guess um, you know this technology isn't super mature yet. So no. whatever you look at on on these things, you will you will see a whole you know a whole bunch of uh, shortcomings, but also a lot of potential for what will what will come you know in the future. Hmm. And and of course commercially too, I think it's not necessarily just about the device as well. I mean, if you look at Meta, so we're working with government organisations and so on and so forth. You know, there is that perceived thing about Meta around data. And and so there there are stipulations around not using any or not having data stored on meta servers and so on and so forth. Even though that they have now uh, released a business plan, it's still kind of this thing hanging over meta. Though, as Mark Zuckerberg might said, might think his uh, his headset is the best. That isn't, especially in the commercial space, that isn't always the major issue, you know, and that uh, organisations will accept lower quality in certain things to ensure that their, their data is their data. Yeah, I, I agree. And look, I, you know, I think, you know, Zuckerberg and, and, and Meta, you know, have, have proven themselves to be untrustworthy mm. in, in, in numerous regards. And, you know, an organisation would be unwise uh, to be putting too much trust in in Meta, um, mm. and I mean, just so many situations that that I've come across or have been shared with me, you know, whether it's accounts that have been hacked, whether you know, customers that may be spending thousands of dollars a month with them uh, in advertising, an account gets compromised, and and you know, just how shocking they've been at at, at helping people out. You know, myself, I, I have an Instagram account with a very you know a small following you know, sub 1,000 followers, and it's on a regular basis uh, over the last sort of, you know, 12, 18 months. I've seen, you know, someone effectively duplicate that account, then use fake accounts to build a follower, a following that, that looks very similar, and then, you know, try and pull people in to follow and start direct messaging them with scams. Uh, and even going through, mm. you know, media media channels, um, I haven't had satisfaction with, you know, with getting them to uh, uh, to you know address that and to put a stop to it in a timely manner. It seems like the sort of thing that wouldn't be that hard to do when someone 
you know, basically duplicates your, you know, your uh, your bio, duplicates your photo, and and then you know locks an account yeah. in a in a particular manner. It seems like a pretty uh, pretty clear and 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 common uh, pattern. But um, you know, there we go. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's yeah. it's, a, it's a huge point. And look, you know, mm. Apple have proven themselves to be you know yes. trustworthy from a business yeah. perspective, um, and from a data you know privacy perspective. You know, streets and streets ahead of uh, Meta, and you know mm. that's it's a, a badge that they, you know, I guess that they they wear that you they can be trusted from that perspective. Yeah, and also, Paul, to to get back to your original comments around with Apple with the with the Vision Pro, that I think that their philosophy, and this isn't just entirely my opinion. I've spoken to some others that tend to agree, but mm. their philosophy is around using industry for example uh, to help them develop the product and work it down towards consumers and I, and I think that's solely around you know there are things like you're saying it's far from a finished product and being able to test that and use that and develop it with companies with organizations that uh, will have the committed users seem to me like actually quite a good way of looking at it and doing it because the cost initially is going to be so high. They know that, you know, they're not going to be able to sell millions straight away as they would an iPhone. Uh, so how how do you actually get your product out there, start to get people used to it, seeing it and be able to develop it? Because like you say, for three and a half thousand US, you know, it's not really priced as a consumer product. From, from my perspective. And, and of course, technologically, you know, people, there's, uh, you're saying a lot of people returning that because they're talking about VR sickness and, and, and other things. And, or they're expecting just way too much from the technology itself. You know, I was reading things, you know, uh, where they're talking about if you move your head really fast, then you're going to have motion blur issues with the cameras and, and, and that sort of thing. And you think with, with us, we, if we understand that constraint, then we can develop uh, training and experience and simulations to work around that, you know. So that doesn't necessarily become an issue. Mm, but mm. if you have a, you know, from a consumer perspective, you know, I want to just move my, it's supposed to, you know, what will work for me and it will just help me with everything and there's going to be no real major issues so that, you know, it gives me a better, a better experience. But especially at this point, it doesn't always work that way. Mm. And, you know, one aspect I'm always looking at technology from is how can this, you know, help New Zealand organisations, you know, and personally with my own business, you know, Gorilla, we're looking at those sort of small to medium organisations. So you know, I'm, I'm looking at this as with every technology through a lens of, oh, you know, how, how could we apply uh, this? How, you know, how could, how could it help? And, you know, it, it probably yeah, it seems to me at this stage it's, it's you know, probably not uh, mature enough for, for most organisations, but there will be some. I remember a conversation I had with uh, someone that was a, a kitchen designer and, and manufacturer some years ago. It was maybe best part of a decade ago now, and uh, yeah, they they were sort of um, you know quite a, quite a small outfit, and uh, yeah, we're talking around that that they didn't have the the budgets or, or necessarily even mm. the space to build up all these kitchens, um, but they had built some incredible you know, high-end kitchens and, you know, varying, you know, private properties, whether rich listers or, or, or what have you. Um, you know, part of my commentary to them was, well, can you can you get permission as you build these things to get a 3D capture uh, yeah. and to at least show people in 
and the and a you know and a VR headset. Mm. So that you know there will be there will be use cases, but probably mm. you know not necessarily there for for you know every organisation just yet. And in terms mm. of how it plays out longer term, you know, what are your thoughts? Is 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 this type of technology something that is is very much here to stay, or as a as quite a mainstream thing over time, or will it always be sort of something? at the fringes or do we expect in 10 years time when you jump on a plane everyone's going to throw on their headset and be you know interacting with friends around the world while they're on their plane or just watching a movie and you know mm-hmm. we we don't we don't need uh, anything else while we're while we're while we're on the plane and 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 so on do you have a kind of uh, your personal personal thoughts on where all this lands yeah i think like personally I, I know like you know there are things like ar contact lenses i think mojo is, is one that comes to mind so and i think there's more traction there i, I think for the consumer for the for the consumer base there it needs to be less of a of a headset device that sits on my head rather than something that can integrate with the way that I work and, and whether that's a, an earpiece or contact lenses, whatever that's something quite miniature that um, you know doesn't become um, I, I guess a, a major thing that you um, that you need to put on and uh, it would cut you off from the environment and so on. But I think also the thing that was that we're seeing with the industry now is with the likes of Apple coming out with the Vision Pro and also of course Meta had the Quest 3 and HTC, the Vive Elite XR. Those those headsets are bringing us into the mixed reality realm. Whereas before that wasn't, I mean, originally, you know, a number of years ago, and it's still around to a certain degree, was the HoloLens. Yes. But now it seems to have moved on a lot more. And I think we're talking about VR, where you're cut off from your environment with mixed reality. Uh, for example, if you were doing a training on a car engine, you could still be in your office or in your room, still see your room, but have the model of the of the car engine appear in front of you. You can break it apart and you can, um, you know, go through the necessary training. I think that's actually where we're going to see a big push and into where the industry will go towards. I think the mixed reality is. I find it really good to use. I, I think it, there's a lot of benefits and a lot of pluses for it. So that's mm, kind of mm. looking at the industry. I think that's where we'll go. I think for uh, for training and, and simulation, uh, and I think for consumers. I think before there's a bigger uptake, I, I do think that it needs to be a more manageable device that's more integrated in with the person rather than uh, something that gets stuck onto them. Mm. Yeah, I remember the time that I bet uh, Elon Musk to Mars, and uh, mm. I walked around on uh, on Mars in uh, nice. augmented reality with the uh, yeah. Microsoft uh, Hololens, and uh, Buzz yeah. Aldrin was uh, was there, sort of you know commentating and 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 so on. Um, yeah. So yeah, there can, look, there can you know there can be something sort of exciting around around mm. uh, the technology, and you know for me that that was quite a memorable experience, and you know I guess mm. partly because it, you know it was quite uh, quite new. Uh, new, you know, technology at the time, but yeah, there is that opportunity to create experiences that you, you're mm. not going to have in quite the same way within any other tech and and, and screens. So yeah, really interested to see uh, how it plays out. Uh, yep. It's been great to uh, great to have you on the show, uh, Lance. Thanks, uh, no thanks, problem. thanks very much for uh, for joining us. Anything else you wanted to sort of add before uh, before I ask you the big question? Mm. 
uh, around uh, around you know whether the Apple Vision Vision uh, the Apple Vision Pro is you know is a is a hit or a, a miss or a mm. um, you know what's what else would you like to share? Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll answer that. I, I've nothing further to add. Is it a hit or a miss? I actually think it's a hit. But obviously, I, I, and I know there's a lot of people going, it's a miss, it's miles away and that sort of thing. But actually from, like I say, from Company X's perspective, we see it's another device that offers another set of functionality and advantages that can help us to you know, provide great solutions for, for clients. So I think it's a hit. And and look, I th- you know, I think it's going to take a little bit of time for us to you know see how it, how it gets leveraged. But just because mm. of that cut through that that Apple has, we you know we've had iterations mm. of other technologies before that I think we're going to see a bunch of new stuff that will will land on the Apple Vision Pro uh, that we haven't seen. You know, software yeah. vendors that have probably had the capability to do something with the other technologies, but because of the cut through that that Apple brings, we will see a, a level of investment. Um, that maybe we haven't seen in the past. So yeah, I think we'll we will, we will see some pretty interesting things over you know over the over the coming period. Uh, and of course, when it comes to Apple, we know they like to kind of iterate and and release uh, new versions. Uh, mm. Sometimes they've been a bit slow with some of their Macs, where they've left it left it too long. Other devices, it kind of feels at times like uh, like they're, like they're too regular. But I, I imagine they're going to find some sort of a sweet spot in the middle. And something mm. that hasn't been much talk of is this is called the Apple Vision Pro. Uh, so, you know, the, my gut feel is there's going to be a, an Apple Vision without the Pro at some point as well, you know, lower price point type thing. And, uh, and you know, we'll, we'll have, you know, we'll, we'll just have to watch and, uh, you know, see, see how these things um, play out. But, yeah, now big thank you, of course, to, uh, to everyone for, for, for listening in. Uh, to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Of course, a uh, big thank you to those that help us keep uh, New Zealand Tech Podcast operating week to week. So thank you to Gorilla Technology, HP Spark, Two Degrees and One NZ. And yeah, huge thank you, uh, Lance, for, uh, for for joining us on the show uh, and, and to uh, you know, com- Company X for uh, giving you a bit of uh, uh, time to, uh, to, to share with us. My pleasure, and thanks very much for having me, Paul. My, my pleasure too. And uh, look, thanks everyone for listening in. If you've been watching the live stream, of course, make sure you uh, you do uh, look out, whether it's through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, follow the show on uh, on those those platforms. And if you're listening to the audio, then, you know, you can also find us in video form and, and you know, most weeks with a live stream on, on YouTube, uh, X, Facebook, uh, or by uh, connecting or following myself, Paul Spain, on uh, LinkedIn, where we where we also stream. Uh, so thanks, everyone, and we'll look forward to catching up again next week. And uh, thanks again, Lance. Cheers, everyone. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.